I want to welcome you here. I am Pastor Kyle, and you might not recognize me. Someone said that I had a beard a couple weeks ago. I find it a great privilege that you would think that it was a beard, so um, that's pretty cool. But I am still Kyle. This is me, though I look different. Um, Psalm 23 is where we're at this morning, and we are completing a three-part series in Psalm 23. So turn to Psalm 23 with me. I'm going to read uh, the whole psalm. It's six verses. I'm going to read it again aloud. And then today we're going to camp and finish on verses five to six. So Psalm 23, we've looked at, and as you're turning there in our series, uh, resting. We're talking about primarily rest, resting in the Lord's provision, in his protection. And today we're looking at resting in his presence. And so let's look at Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When was the last time you were invited somewhere for a meal? Or, when was the last time you invited someone over for a meal. Now, when I asked those two questions, uh, I mentioned this morning, this is not a pitch to invite me over and my family for a meal this morning. Let's close in prayer, right? So, but when, when was the, the last time you went? Where did you go? When was the last time you had someone over? If you do invite my family over, which is great, for a meal, and maybe today, that's fantastic. There's really only going to be two things that I'm expecting, okay? There's two things that I'm going to be expecting. One is your presence. I'm going to expect that you're there. And two, I'm going to expect that there's food, because you said there would be. And so if we show up to your house, and there's food galore, and it's hot, and it's everything's there, everything that we would need, and you're not there, uh, that's weird. Okay, now... If we show up to your house and you're there and there's no food, that's even more weird. So don't do that. If you invite us over, then make sure that you're there and so is the food together. And as we look at Psalm 23 and these last two verses, it is crystal clear that the Lord, in fact, the Lord Almighty, Yahweh himself, has prepared a table and he desires that you dine at it with him. Amazing. You look at verse 5. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, I doubt anyone spoke these words other than maybe by memory. We don't speak this way, really. We don't say, I dined with the Lord today. We don't use this language, but we're going to see for sure that it is true that, in fact, those who dine with the Lord will, in fact, rest in the Lord. No doubt. Now, maybe this morning you're thinking, uh, can it really be true, though? 
I mean, how often do we hear truths of Scripture, but it just doesn't seem to be um, applying to our life? We would say, you know what, maybe, maybe this table, I'm not really sure what it is, maybe this has to do with salvation, I'm guessing. If it does, I've dined there and this doesn't really apply. I don't see at least how it applies to my life. I really don't know how it does. Or maybe, maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm up for dining with the Lord. That sounds fine. I mean, why not? What do I have to lose? But maybe if you're honest, you're saying, I've been, uh, I need to gain an appetite for this, though, because I'm full. I've been dining at a whole, other, whole host of other tables. And I'm going to have to somehow maybe create an appetite for this. You know, maybe you've got tables that you're a regular at. Maybe you've been dining with the images on the internet at the table of sexual sin. And you don't have an appetite for the Lord's table right now. I've been dining with coworkers and classmates maybe at the table of approval. Or dining with health physicians at the table of maybe tomorrow I'll get better. Maybe dining with my kids at the table of don't embarrass me today. Or maybe dining at the table with no one, in the presence of no one at the table of escape. Or maybe you're dining in the presence of a relationship at the table of not wanting to be lonely. And the tables that we go to are endless. And I'm not sure where you're at now, but maybe you'd say, I want that table, but I don't even know if I got room for that table. Maybe you say, whatever table this is, I'm not worthy. If it's the Lord's table, then I'm not worthy. Or if it's the Lord's table, then I'm not ready for that. I mean, maybe tomorrow. Maybe if I dust myself off a little bit more, maybe then I'd be ready. Or if it's the Lord's table, I know I'm not invited. There's no way that's for me. Like the Lord's table prepared for me, no way. I want to give you a bit of a spoiler before we dive into these verses, though. Okay, here's spoiler alert from what we just read from Psalm 23. Is the Lord invites the lame and the dirty and the blind and the deaf and the lost and the broken and the needy and the anxious and the angry and the hungry and the thirsty. This is who the Lord invites. Do you fit any of that description? I do, like all the time. And at this table... He makes the lame to walk, and he gives sight to the blind. He gives ears to those who are deaf. He satisfies the hungry, and he quenches the thirst of the thirsty. And those who dine here have all they would ever need for the rest of their life. That's what the Lord tells us plainly. Hear this this morning. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord. Guaranteed. There is no maybe. This is a sure thing this morning. Now, if rest is to be found by dining with the Lord, then we better figure out what it means to dine with the Lord, right? Better know what this means. Now, this is poetry. This is uh, hard to grasp a little bit. And we're going to dive into what this means then. And here's four things to expect when you dine with the Lord. What should I expect? What am I getting ready for? This is going to happen. Well, the first is this. Expect his presence. 
Expect his presence. He says, you prepare. You prepare. My shepherd is now my host, David says. And he says, you prepare a table. And if he prepares the table, he doesn't leave the table. You prepare it and he's going to stay. The Lord doesn't just set it up and say, hey, go to my house. Here's my address. I hope you show up. The food's great. No, no, he is present there. Now, do not think that dining with the Lord is like a care package or uh, that new thing called skip the dishes. They skip the dishes. You don't even have to go to the restaurant. Just skip the dishes. They just bring it to you. Do not think that dining at the Lord's table is like that because it's not. Without the Lord, there is no table. Without the Lord, there is no food. There is no drink. If you dine with the Lord, you dine in his presence. You can expect his presence. We ought to be longing for his presence. Wanting that. Second is this. If I dine at this table, I can expect his provision. He says, you prepare a table before me. You prepare. The Lord's prepared it. He's prepared a table before me, he says. He's done the prep. Nothing's missing. How many times for meals is there something missing? At our house, it's always the cayenne pepper. The cayenne pepper is never there. It just doesn't come. Or maybe, maybe there's times where you're like, where's the food? Where's the turkey? The turkey's still in the oven. Have you done that before? Where's the baking soda for this bread? Is there baking soda and bread? It'd be missing. I think there is. Right? What's missing? There's always something missing. You prep the table and someone's forgot something all the time. Not so with the Lord. And here's why. Because the Lord's prepped the meal. And because of who God is. If he has prepped it, it is good. We know that. And it's lacking nothing. And because he's provided himself. The Lord has provided, in fact, Jesus Christ. God in the flesh at this table. Look at John. Well, you can turn there if you like. I'm going to read it for you. John 6. If you want. John 6, verses 54 to 55. Now, John 6 uh, this is part of the most confusing sermon ever preached by Jesus, or maybe any preacher. And he's spoken here about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And many people said, that's crazy, and we're out of here. But some knew what he was speaking of. And it makes perfect sense if you know. John 6, he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. This is true food. Jesus Christ. He says, my blood is true drink. This is true drink. People are looking, aren't they now, for like cleansing food? Like everything's got antioxidants in them and blah, 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 and I don't, whatever else. This is true food. This is cleansing food, the forgiveness of your sins. This is cleansing food, the forgiveness of your sins, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ in your place. You want cleansing food? There it is at this table. This is also superfood. You've heard of superfoods before? Eat this food, it's fantastic. This is the best food ever. It's got everything you would ever need. No, no, this is true food. This is your superfood. Jesus Christ in your place, living a righteous, perfect life. Unbelievable. Fully God and fully man, and he offers that, credits that to you by faith if you will take it. He offers true food. This is the table he presents to us. Romans 8 then says, Romans 8.32 says this, He who then did not spare his own son, 
Yahweh, God, who did not spare Jesus Christ, okay? He sent him to the cross, brought him, he came in the flesh. If he didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you have Christ, then you lack nothing. And do you know how I can be certain that going down the road and going to other tables will not find you rest? I can be certain of it. You don't even have to tell me where you're going or what the table is or share your experience. If it's down the road, if it's at another table, you won't find it because it's not Christ. It's not the gospel. There is only one table. And he provides at this table. You can expect perfect provision, everything you would ever need in Jesus Christ. Three, expect his approval. He says, in his presence, sorry, you, you anoint me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. There's two people here. One is an enemy or enemies. And the second type is guests, or in this case, a guest. You are either an enemy of God or you are a welcome guest. You're not an in-between. You're not a friendly neighbor that he might invite in. A try-hard or a sincere or just a good person. God says, no, you were anointed in Christ because of my son. By that shed blood, you were a welcome guest. Welcome, for sure. Or you are my enemy. There's only two. Now, it's so strange, I think, the first time you read this, that enemies are there. How many times have I read this psalm and thought, why are the enemies there? That doesn't sound like a really well-prepared place. We want our enemies to be gone. And how many of us have even questioned God's approval of us because of the presence of enemies in our lives? I mean, David had the most powerful king in Israel on his heels. Okay, the ruler of the country after him, spreading lies about him, hating him. In fact, preparing dinners for him, you can read about in the Word, prepares dinners for David with the intent to kill him. But David knows at the end of the day that the king of kings, the king of Israel, the king of kings, has invited him to a feast and he has approved of him. He is a welcome guest. He anoints my head with oil, he says. This is, you know, lost now in our culture and tradition, and it would be, do not do this if you invite me over. Don't do this, because it's not cultural anymore. Back then it was. You would anoint the head of someone who came over with oil. Now it would be strange. They would never come back. But there it made sense. Anoint with oil, and what happened is you would see literally oil, and you would smell it. It'd give an aroma so literally, you, you could say, I see that that's a guest, and I can smell that that's a guest of the Lord. They are welcomed by the Lord. They are an honored guest by him. So at this table, we can expect his approval, though the world hates us. And in fact, Christ said the world will hate you. You will be hated. If you're not hated, that's a problem. They hated me. You're not greater than your master. Though the world hates you, God will not. In Christ, 
If you have faith in Christ, then he approves of you. And I think I've preached this before, but I wanted my best friend share this with me. He says, Kyle, the Father will never turn the Son away. He'll never turn Jesus away. Say, away with you. You're dirty. You're, you're not holy enough. You're not obedient enough. I don't love you. He will never do that. He will not turn you away. He won't speak an ill word of you. He sees his son for those that are in Christ. Isn't that amazing? You are approved, and it is a certain thing that you can expect at the table of the Lord. Fourth is this. Expect to be satisfied. He says, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. It's not the question of the day, is it half empty or half full? I don't know. He's like, no, no, no. This is full and overflowing. Now, what does he mean? Well, the cup, the cup was given to guests again. Some of this is lost culturally, but it was given to guests as a sign of welcome. And it was meant to have wine in it. And you were meant to have that wine to cheer you. But David is clearly not speaking of wine. This is not a pitch to serve wine or even drink it. He's not speaking of wine. Psalm 116, of verse 13, talks about the cup of salvation. Psalm 16, verse 5 says, The Lord is my chosen portion, and listen, and my cup. You hold my lot. See, David knows that dining with the Lord means to be satisfied in the Lord, to overflowing. He is my portion. He is my cup. He is more than enough. In a book, uh, John Piper, I've got a quote here for you on the screen. Uh, a book that I'd read probably close to 20 years ago now called Desiring God. One of those books for me that um, radically changed my thinking in many ways on the gospel and particularly, as the, as the title is, Desiring God on how to desire God. John Piper says this, he says, The great problem of human beings is that they are far too easily pleased. They don't seek pleasure with nearly the resolve and passion that they should. How often do you hear that? How often do you hear Christian, search for more passion? You need more pleasure in your life. Never. It's always, don't do that. Don't go after your passions. Right, right? Like, like resist those and hold those in. And now there's some truth to that if it's the wrong table. But Christian, go after your passions. Go after the table of the Lord. Go after that and be satisfied. See, we're not to be just, oh, I'm a Christian and there's all these things I can't do and say and think and I couldn't go here on the weekend and I'm not supposed to do that and I feel bad about this. No, no, no. Christian, go after the Lord and be satisfied in the Lord and take from the cup of the Lord. Don't be so satisfied with the garbage of this world. Seek pleasure. That's true pleasure. A cup that overflows. And you expect that at the table of the Lord. So, the table that the Lord has prepared for us is awesome. It's, it's, it's supernatural. It's truly out of this world. And those that dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord. For certain. This leads us to our first point of two points, so that you're not lost today. And it's this, those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord now. 
those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord now. David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How can he say that? See, when you dine at the table of the Lord, the Lord is there. And if the Lord is there, so is goodness and mercy. They're always there. He says, surely it's guaranteed no matter, no matter where I go or what I do, goodness and mercy are tagging along all the time. Now, we often look at this in the negative, right? Wherever that person goes, trouble comes. Now, my brother, I had, uh, I've got three brothers, middle brother, a gourd. Uh, we often had said growing up, and wherever gourd goes, stitches follow, right? Like accidents come. I asked him one day, sat down with him, and I said, how many stitches do you have? He's like, I don't know. So you already know that stitches, trouble, accidents follow this guy. He's got over 150 we counted, which is significant because a lot of them are just small stitches. Just, you know what I mean? Adding up to over 150, we lost track. Everywhere he goes, trouble, which is interesting now because he's a safety inspector. I just thought of that. I literally was thinking of that in prep for the sermon. I'm like, and he's a safety inspector. Probably one of the best ever because he's like, no, don't do that. I know what that does. Right? Been there, done that. So was David's life just like a good life? Like no accidents, no trouble? So he says, God, goodness and mercy, everything's so good. And I'm driving a Lamborghini. There's no way. That's weak. He's a man of war. In fact, what's the thing that we know David for? David and something about a giant. Yeah, and he killed him. David and Goliath, he kills him. And then from there on, he's just like, his whole life seems to be characterized by war. God calls him a man of war. He had the leader of the country, mentioned it already, King Saul, and even David's own son, Absalom, following him wherever he went, day after day for a season, to kill him. And he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's not living the good life here on earth. And maybe you can relate to that. And is it really true Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Well, if you've dined with the Lord, then yes. And David had. Then yes, it does. And remember, and we read it already, Psalm 23, let's not forget where we've come from. Of verse 1, David says clearly, The Lord is my shepherd. Goodness and mercy will follow me. He makes me. He leads me. He restores me. So goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Again, he says in verse 3, he leads me. Verse 4, he is with me. He comforts me. Verse 5, and we've read it now and looking at it currently, prepares a table for me and anoints me. David knows this. So so surely if this is the case, then goodness and mercy follow me wherever I go, regardless of what you see. Mercy, this idea of mercy Loving kindness or steadfast love. This is the idea again. David very clearly says this is the Lord Yahweh. Okay, and his love is steadfast. Yahweh, who's a covenant-keeping God, keeps his promises to his people, ever-present. He shows steadfast love. Now, 
David even surely would be taking this from Exodus 34. Exodus 34, such a powerful passage and known by so many prophets of the day, or every prophet of the day, to show this steadfast love and speak of it. It says this, and it's on the screen there for you. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and there it is, steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping, and there again, steadfast love. This is the same that David is speaking of, this mercy, this steadfast love. He keeps it for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And we say, praise God for his steadfast love. And then he says, and this is just as true, he says, but who will by no means clear the guilty? And we say, well, hang on. Is his love steadfast then? How how do those two work? Because I'm certainly guilty. Every day, I'm guilty. So, so how does this work? Can it, can it be true? Can his love for me still be the same? Even today, even after last week, my past. His steadfast love, to be clear, is not because he's a pushover. It is unlike anything this world offers. He is not loving because he just says, I'm just love. In the name of love, I just, I just love and turn a blind eye. No, no, he hates the greatest sins ever committed. Praise God he hates them. And he hates the smallest hint of sin ever thought of. Praise God he hates that. But those who repent of their sin, those who trust in Christ, so repent of the things they've done, but also who they are, a rebel before the king, living my rebellious life, those that would repent of that and then trust in the Son, trust in the table presented and say, Jesus Christ died in my place and bore that sin. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life who credits that to me. Those that will say this, he says, your guilt is cleared. That's how I clear it. Past, present, future, who you are is cleared by Christ on the cross. And so if that's true, and it is, then your confidence is in who God is for his steadfast love. That's, that's incredible. There's no more navel-gazing wondering, because he knew wonder all day. He says clearly, it's in his son. 1 John 4.10 says, in this is love. You, you think you know love, and your culture is is preaching a message of love. No, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is the satisfaction for the wrath of our sins. Jesus Christ came to be that for us. That is love. And it's because of love that he sent Christ. And steadfast love says, his love to you will never change. See, God satisfies his wrath for you for your sins by sending God. God saves you from God. God's wrath is satisfied by no, no other, not yourself, no, no priest, by God. That is Jesus Christ who's come in the flesh. And so again, his steadfast love is as rock steady as who he is. Isn't that amazing? 
Praise God. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord, and David says, all of their days, for the rest of their lives. Isn't it interesting how a dining, like food, affects us like every day? And it's not just because I love food that I'm thinking that. Like, isn't that true? Like, every single day we have schedules around food and groceries and cooking and cleaning and uh, diets and desserts and budgets. And even if you're fasting, you're still thinking about food. No matter the season even, isn't it interesting? No matter the season, whether it be a wedding or a funeral, there's food, work or play, busyness or if you had the long weekend off. Every day. Now, how much more must we come to the Lord's table in the same way? Every day. No matter the day and no matter the season. Not, to, not, not if you've dined with the Lord, if you trusted in him, it's not to come to gain salvation. It's to come not to gain life for the first time, but life abundantly. I think this is why, um, you know, I was thinking about this, why I love biblical counseling so much. Which that statement alone is like, doesn't seem to make sense. I never thought I would say that. I love and then counseling would be in that sentence. But I do. Why do I love biblical counseling? Well, it's because I believe this, that every day and for every season, those who dine with the Lord will rest with the Lord. That no matter the day and no matter the season, I can present people with the gospel. And it speaks into their lives. And it satisfies. There's hope. It's true. It's amazing. The gospel speaks into every one of your fears and longings and loss and pain and confusion and discontentment. And no matter what happens to you, no matter your story, I don't even need to hear it. To know this, the gospel speaks to it. The table of the Lord is enough. And if you dine with the Lord, you will rest with the Lord. Amazing. It's such a, such a good word. And when you help people, when you, when you see that, when you offer them true food, and you see them take that, and have their hunger met and their thirst satisfied, not only is it great, what you're doing is reminding yourself. You bring them to the table. What I find, and it, God is so good to know I need this all the time, I'm bringing them to the table. I bring you to the table, and I'm bringing myself and realizing I needed this today as much as you needed it today. Amazing. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord. Now, every day, though, the cravings of junk food is there, isn't it? And every day, like even like physical junk food, is it not there? I know it is with my kids. Like every day you're like, oh, it's a Tuesday, you're not supposed to. Oh, yeah, no, sugar is still enjoyable even on Tuesdays. Or like every day. It doesn't matter when, when there's this draw. The same is true in our spiritual lives, right? There's every day this draw towards a junk food. And you go to it and you're like, I'll just try a little bit at this table. I'm just frustrated and so here. Or I just cave and I binge. And then you feel empty, and it doesn't satisfy, it doesn't last, and you're thirsty again, and, and more than ever. And you could say, or I could say to you, well, stop eating junk food. You crazy? You feel good? 
doesn't work, does it? And that's helpful about that much. I mean, it's technically true, but it's lacking the gospel. Your greatest weapon against the junk food of this life of sin is not just stop eating junk food. Do you know what it is? It's feast at the table of the Lord. It's start feasting on the Lord. If you have, if, if you have an addiction to sugar, good luck just stopping it. Because when the heat gets turned up and you're uncomfortable, you say, it's bad for me, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, and then life gets tough, what are you going to? Going to those cookies. You're going to pound them. It's, gonna, it's what you do, right? But if you start to go to something else, things will change. And the same is true with the Lord. The Lord says, Psalm 34, Taste and see, oh, taste and see, that the Lord is good. Don't think that tasting of the Lord is going to just be amazing every time. Right? Like some of you have stopped trying to taste the Lord because it's tough. You had an experience and it was awesome. You can, you can, you can see how God worked in your life and you, you had joy unexplainable and these feelings unexplainable. And they're true and, and right. But you might not always have those. Sometimes it's, it's, I need to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to that table and acquire a new taste for him. So your parents say, eat your Brussels sprouts, it's good for you. Acquire taste for the Lord. Maybe it needs to be a radical measures for, for us. Maybe look at your life and say, what needs to go? Do I need new friends or new music or new media or new bedtimes? Set my alarm for a different time. Memorize scripture. Read books. Read less books. Stop reading those books. Finish books. Start praying. Pray out loud. Pray with my friends. Pray with my family. Pray with my wife. Witness. Get accountability in my life. The list just goes on and on and on. And it's going to be tough. Don't just look for these mountaintop experiences. But know this, that those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord. What things need to change you feel the temptation to certain junk, what will you do? I would say don't just try to stop it. Don't just try to run. Don't, those are good. But feast. Use that time to feast on the Lord. When you dine with the Lord, you will rest with the Lord every day, but it won't stop there. This leads us to our final point is this. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord forever. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord forever. Look at the last part here of verse 6 now. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So those who dine with the Lord will dwell with the Lord forever. So first notice this. He says again, I shall. So he's already given like two guarantees. One, you're going to rest every day of your life. And two, now he says again, I shall Rest every day in the presence of the Lord. He says it's certain. How certain are you? How certain are you that you will rest, that you will dwell in the house of the Lord, that you will be, that you will be in the presence of the Lord? Are you certain? Certain. Without a doubt. Why is David... What answer are you thinking of in your mind of why you're certain? 
How good was David's track record? David's certain that rest would come, but he is a man of war. He committed adultery. Not only did he commit adultery, he murdered the woman's husband. His kids were rebellious. But David knows this. He knows from Psalm 23 that those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord. He knows it. They will rest now and forever. And notice this. And and look at verse 6. He's not just speaking of eternity or a house or a heaven. Notice what he's saying here. He says, the house of the Lord. That's different. You see, pastures or waters or valleys or a table, they all have one thing in common. Do you know what it is? It's the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of God. Now, I think we tend to think of heaven a little bit like a buffet. And I'm not just saying that because I love buffets and they're a little bit heavenly. I think we look at heaven like a buffet, though. I really do. I, I think that's our view of heaven. Now, buffets are great. Okay, I want to just set up buffets for you a little bit. Buffets are, they are the best place you can ever go to eat, for sure, just so you, that you know that. <laughs> One price, typically cheap, and, and if the buffet is good, you have everything that, not just that you would ever want, but for me, that you need. That you need to leave full and satisfied, which you can't do at any other restaurant, but a buffet you can. And it's glorious. And I think we look at heaven much like a buffet. We say, oh yeah, one price, Jesus Christ. He, he, he paid the price. And I have everything that I want now at this buffet. I can't wait to be with the Lord. I think for me, honestly, most of my life I viewed heaven like that. It's just a buffet. Oh, and there's, there's, there's golden trays at this buffet. Yeah, and, and everything's of gold, actually. No, that's not heaven. In fact, if God is not there, it doesn't matter what's there, and it's not heaven, do you know what it is? It is hell. Heaven is not just a place where you'll have all that you need. That is true. And it's not just the reality that, that you have something even so great as salvation. And that there, is there anything greater? It's not that, though. It's that you would dwell with the Lord. You get something even greater than your salvation. Did you know that? You get God. You get God. You get God. You don't get things. You get God. John 14 says, I have it on the screen there for you, in my Father's house are many rooms. Jesus himself said this. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place, or if it were not so, would I have gone, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? It's rhetorical. Well, no. And if I go, listen, if I go, and prepare a place for you. I will come again. I will come again. And will take you where? To myself. And where I am, you may be also. That's incredible. God, forgive us for thinking heaven is just stuff. 
There is nothing apart from the Lord. It all comes from him. Revelation 21, 23 says, the city does not need the sun or moon. Why? Why does it not need the sun or moon to shine? For the glory of who? God gives its light. And the lamb is its lamp. It's incredible. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord forever. Maybe you're thinking, okay, but really what does it matter? I mean, eternity is eternity, and great, the Lord will be there, but, but what does it matter if I'm waiting for the Lord or streets of gold? And I would say it, it, it matters greatly because you're wrong. Scripture says you're waiting for the Lord, not things, and it will confuse things greatly because you're not looking for things then, certainly as much as you're not looking for things now. You're looking for the presence of God in your life now and forever. But secondly, I would say this, that when you pursue the Lord, what you're doing is you're gaining an appetite for the Lord. You're gaining a hunger for Him and, and an appetite to prepare you for better rest. Now, everyone that is in the presence of the Lord, there's no one that's going to be lacking Everyone will have rest. But I do believe that the, to the extent you pursue the Lord now will be to the capacity that you have to enjoy him then forever. I hope that makes sense. It is vitally important that you pursue the Lord now because that is the gospel. And to the extent you pursue him now and not just things from him will be the capacity that you have to enjoy then him in his presence forever. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord now and forever. And so, in closing, I want to uh, give an invitation. If you dine with the Lord, you will rest with the Lord like today. And if you have never dined with the Lord, and, and I want to take from Psalm 23 too and say this. If you have... Um, seen the Lord working, if you smelled the aroma, do not assume that you are a welcome guest yet. Unless you have dined with the Lord, unless you have come, could it be that you've been in, in what a tragedy, that there are people that come in the presence of the table and smell and see and experience God and they do not dine. There's a difference. Would today be the day that you would dine? If that is you, and I'm telling you, then the table is here set for you, and it's Christ. Would you repent of your sins, your rebellion before God? Would you trust in Jesus Christ, his body and blood shed for you? And would you receive life? Do not be content to just see God and smell God and dine with the Lord. Repent of your sin and trust in him. And the promise is you will find rest. You will. There is no one for all of eternity that will ever say, I humbled myself and trusted in the Lord for my salvation, and I was left wanting, ever. You will not be left wanting. Everything that you were created for, you will find in the Lord. And you will have life, and you will have it abundantly. 
I'm giving that invitation now because the Lord gives that. He says, the table is prepped. Would you dine with me? And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now, I'd say, do not ignore that. Do not ignore it. Don't be content and dine with the Lord. Repent of your sin and trust in him. I don't care what your friends think of you. They already think that, no, he's dining. She's dining. It doesn't matter. Between you and the Lord, I would say, come. The second is this, then, for us, is if you have dined with the Lord and you found rest in the Lord, then I would say continue to dine. Continue to find rest. Continue to come to the table. Let us remind each other, as Hebrews 3 says, every day, as long as it's called today. Today is called today. Tomorrow is going to be called today. As long as it's called today, let us remind each other of the gospel. Let's be cautious that we don't have an evil and unbelieving heart that's prone to wander as believers, prone to wander from the Lord and and try to find rest in other things. Let's remind each other of the gospel. Let's grow in the knowledge of him. Let's discipline ourselves in his ways. Let's trust in his promises. Let's meditate on his word. Let's sing his praises. Let's give up everything to gain him. And let's rest in him. Those who dine with the Lord will rest in the Lord. Praise God.